0: Let's run the out of the ball, baby. They're restless, so are we. Punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Sinclair. And joining me, as always, is Jake Elrod. And today we are going to recap the Indianapolis Colts' victory over the Carolina Panthers, their home finale of the 2019 season. But um, before we do that, um, of course, we're coming at you guys a little later in the week. Uh, Christmas came along during the middle of the week. Uh, we hope you guys are everyone. All of our listeners, have a Christmas uh, had a safe Christmas, uh, and we hope you got a safe New Year's. But Jake, did you get any kind of Colts uh, stuff for Christmas this year? No, no Colts
1: stuff. I got I got some Pacer shorts and some other things, but I have so much Colts stuff, nobody knows what to really get me anymore with Colts. So I'm I'm kind of maxed out with my Colts gear for right now.
0: Yeah, last year I asked for a Dairy slayer jersey, and somehow at the NFL shop they ran out of extra large. So this year, I was finally able to get that Darius Leonard jersey. And I think next cr- Christmas, I'm going to probably customize the Darius Leonard jersey and get the Maniac on the back instead of Leonard and get it signed by him. I think that's probably my next goal. That, that's clearly an upgrade over Leonard on the back. They should have that in the pro shop already. That shouldn't even be something you have to personally order. That should be in the pro shop right now. Yeah, I even got And then my grandmother, she gets me uh, the Colts calendar every year. And for 2020, the month of... September or October, I think, they've got a picture of Andrew Luck, which kind of got me a tear going. But, um, huh. yeah, it was pretty tough. But, nonetheless, couldn't be more thankful for the presents I got for Christmas. But moving on to the game, the Apples Colts beat the uh, Carolina Panthers 38-6. to wasn't much of a contest. And the Colts, as I told you, they won a meaningless game. Uh, hurts their draft pick. They're now in the 16th draft spot. But overall in the game, I thought, honestly, probably overall this was probably the most complimentary sound football game that the Colts have had all season. they got great special teams play. Uh, Chase McLaughlin made all of his kicks. Neem Hines, of course, AFC special teams player of the week with the two touchdowns, almost at three really, on the day. Um, And, of course, the defense forcing three interceptions of four or five sacks and allowing six points by the Panthers. And, of course, the running offense, Marlon Mack going for over 90 yards rushing, hitting the thousand-yard mark for the first time in his career. Uh, the Colts played really well all around against the five against a terrible Carolina Panthers team. But uh, this shows you a little bit of confidence that this Colts team can click on all cylinders um, against some opponents. Yeah,
1: and it was it was a meaningless game. It was a bad opponent, but you know, I mean, I think towards the end of the year, although a lot of us are wanting that draft position and, you know, wanting to better position ourselves for the future, it is nice to have this team, you know, go out on the, on the end of the season on a positive, no, I mean, you know, this is a team with a lot of pride. This is a team with a lot of guys you root for want to do well. And, um, you know, you don't want to see them whimper out of the season at six and 10, you know, even though it's probably not in the best interest of the franchise moving forward, but, you know, to be able to come out and dominate the way they did. And, you know, you saw the defense just so energized and I don't know where that was in New Orleans, but, uh, you know, they came out super energized. They came out, you know, jumping up and down. And, you know, it was just I'm kind of watching this game unfold. And, you know, I'm sitting here. I texted you during the game, joking around. Carolina's got to get it going. And, you know, the more I'm watching this game unfold and I'm watching the defense get excited and, you know, I'm watching Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins do their thing on the ground and Naheem Hines has a big game. You know, it was fun to watch them dominate that game like that. I mean, and I, I miss being excited to win. Um, you know, you never want to root for your team to lose. And the longer that game went on, I, I really found myself enjoying what I was watching and, and, you know, kind of, you know, refocusing what matters. And, and what matters is seeing those guys go out there, have success, you know, play with pride. Defend your home turf, and and they just crushed the Panthers. I mean, obviously, like you said, this was Naheem Hines' breakout game, but you know, just overall, in, in terms of what the team did, I thought they really performed well in in every aspect of the game outside the passing offense. But you know, I mean, they they ran the ball really well. The defense was suffocating. Uh, Pierre Desir could have probably had like ten picks in this game. Uh, you know, and like you said, the the special teams had their best game all season. Naheem Hines might have sh- might have stayed above Benchol's job. Uh, with one game, so we'll, it, it was fun to watch, and, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to carry this momentum into the last game of the season.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at the stats, and Colts, the Carolina Panthers have his, and historically bad rushing off, rush defense. Uh, it's actually worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars, surprisingly enough, but the Colts had two guys rush for over 80 yards. Marlon Mack on 16 carries at 95 yards, and then Jordan Wilkins late in the game, was able to bust off some runs. He had uh, 84 rushing yards, and Chikoye said I mean, we, I don't think we can go a podcast without talking about him. I mean, he had 37 rushing yards. There's been reports out that yes, the 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 uh, MCL sprain back during Pittsburgh that uh, has affected his game. But I just I I don't believe it, and I know you and me have talked about it a little bit off air. But I just I can't believe the people that are saying that the MCL injury is really affecting his play because. You see his mobility. He's able to run the ball. Uh, he, he had a rush of touchdown, I want to say, against Jacksville and against Houston. I don't think he had one against Tennessee, but he's able to maneuver in the pocket and he's able to run with his legs, so I just don't see why his his, uh, his MCL sprain could really be affecting his play because he barely threw for over, he barely he barely threw over 50% completion percentage for 14 of 27 and only threw for 106 passing yards, so he didn't you know, was a groundbreaking stats and I would say basically the Colts won in spite of his play. Yeah, they, they should have given him
1: a few more carries, I think. I mean he was juking guys all over the place. He had higher 12 yards yards per carry, per carry Rush. <laughs> yeah, higher yards per carry than than Wilkins and Mac. He would have had a hundred yards today if they had put him in the backfield. But, you know, I mean, that was what he did best today. That's one of his best attributes. I mean, for as slow as he is, you know, I mean, he he's paid Manning slow. But he he does a great job of looting guys, getting out of the pocket. And that's why I just kind of scoff at this MCL thing. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about it personally. I, I can get behind the fact that maybe it's caused him to airmail some throws and, you know, hitching his delivery or whatever they say, you know, affecting his drop. But it doesn't change the problems that he's had this season. It doesn't impact what – the struggles that he's had on the field, it doesn't change the problems with him. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more as these reports come out, but you know, in terms of this game, it didn't really appear to affect him. And, and overall, if there is any effect, it's just, you know, there's some throws where you're like, Oh man, he missed that guy badly that, you know, really he hadn't done prior to this injury so that I can get behind. That, that I can understand, but, to, you know, if they're going to start kind of pushing this narrative, then it's going to be kind of frustrating because, you know, the the, the knee doesn't affect his eyeballs and, and it doesn't affect, you know, Jim Mercer's famous quote, the four inches between his ears, you know, and those those are some of the problems that, that he's had since day one. So, um, you know, don't want to spend the whole time bashing him, but, you know, he, he's he's had that problem, had that problem on, on Sunday, but luckily it was the only problem uh negative spot and there was a lot of positives to take away from the game so fortunately we don't have to sit here and talk about how how terrible he was and you know how much he took away from it and he had help i mean you know there was a couple bad drops in there but you know it's just the same old story just you know different weeks so um you know we'll we'll just get the season over with and hopefully you know get some new momentum going into next year
0: yeah moving on to that last game against Jacksonville we'll talk about that real fast it probably won't be a whole lot a real long podcast just because you know, these Colts aren't playing for anything. There's really not much to talk about as of right now for the Colts. But going into Jacksonville, Jacksonville's uh, five and ten on the year. Uh, Colts are seven and eight. So of course, not playing for anything important. Uh, Colts will be facing Gardner Minshew this week instead of Nick Foles. Um, Foles was benched a couple of weeks ago against the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, this will be a little bit a little bit more interesting. I think it'll be a little bit more entertaining to watch Gardner Minshew compared to Nick Foles. Um, Colt, and then uh, with the playoff seating, the Colts are actually um, they're in some sequences for the Oakland Raiders. So if the Colts win, uh, then there's some playoff seating. So the Colts got flexed to a 425 kick instead of a one o'clock kick. Still can watch the game on CBS, of course. But Jake, I asked this question to you. Uh, I texted this question to you, and um, I haven't found any kind of quotes or anything about it. But since this is kind of a meaningless game, it's the last game of the year. What couldn't could we see Nick Sirianni call plays for the offense instead of Frank Reich? I, I know I would like to see. it. I think it'd be very interesting to see, and I don't think it's happened in the preseason before. But I think that's something maybe the Colts could could do Week Seventeen.
1: I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I, it just depends on how much he's absorbed from Frank, how, how much confidence Frank has in him. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't have much information on him as as a play caller in his career. I, I mean, he's, he's been a wide receivers coach. and Exactly. You know,
0: That's why I think it'd be interesting to see him call one game. And it, it, it's, a, I mean, it's a glorified preseason game. So I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, how he does as a play caller.
1: I mean, there's a lot of things I would like to see that we're probably not going to see. But, you know, I mean, I don't I mean, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, you know, I I think it would, you know, potentially be helpful for him in terms of, you know, maybe getting head coaching interviews in the future and, you know, give this offense, you know, a different voice. Uh, Maybe you'll actually
0: use Naheem Hines.
1: Maybe, maybe. I mean, Frank, Frank, for some reason, is allergic to using Naheem Hines. I'm sorry, but like
0: after seeing those really those three explosive kickoff returns, i mean the First one that he re- that he returned I almost went for a touchdown. That could have been a touchdown. Like to have three kickoff or punt returns for near touchdowns. I mean that you can't you can't allow the guy to sit on the bench. You've got to find ways to get him the ball. And we thought that was going to be the case early on this year because they were trying to use him a lot early on, and it just kind of just faded away. So hopefully, you know, going into the off season and going into the next year, they start using him a lot more. Yeah, he's been
1: just thrown out of whack completely. That's my one. Real knock on Frank Reich is, you know, when you have a guy that's struggling to throw the ball, you have an easy outlet guy, you know, that can make guys miss and they haven't utilized him enough. And he does and really he, well
0: in the two-minute drill, too, Nate Hines.
1: Yeah, I mean, because he he's, he's real reliable catching the ball and he always gets yards after the catch. Um, You know, he's not a guy that gets hit and falls over. Generally, he's able to spin off a guy or, you know, even if he does get hit square, generally fall forward for a couple yards. So he's always doing positive things with the ball in his hands. And, you know, I I agree with you. I think that's something that we have to move forward, rather whether it's Jacoby starting uh, week one next year or or somebody else. I mean, he's got to be an integral part of this offense because, you know, I mean, this game showed and really since he got the job, from Chester Rogers' injury, you see the explosiveness when he gets the ball in the open field. I mean, he's he
0: is absolutely electric. And you yeah, know, I think I was, he's averaging about sixteen yards a uh, sixteen yards of return, which is pretty insane. Yeah, I mean he's I, I was
1: sitting I was sitting there looking at uh some of the statistics for other punt returns. I mean, you know, it it kind of sounds crazy, but can a guy get an all-pro nod because of a couple weeks? Because I mean, he's fourth right now in yards, punt return. He's first in touchdowns and he's first in yards per punt return. I mean, if he has another performance, if he has another touchdown this week or has another performance where he has, you know, 15, 20 yards per return, I mean, you know, he could likely lead the NFL in touchdowns, returns and and yards per return by only in only a couple weeks. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, and it shows that he is an elite athlete in the open field. He has elite speed. I mean, he was four, three, eight coming out of, out of North Carolina State. And, and when you turn on the tape, turn on the highlights, whatever you wanted to do with him when we drafted him, I mean, he he showed that kind of 50, 60-yard touchdown ability all over the place, and, and it's really been missing. You know, even when he was a part of the offense, I don't think that he was getting the ball in the best position to be able to, you know, break those big 50, 60-yard plays. So, you know, th- with those kind of performances that we're seeing out of him in the punt return game, I, I hope that that perks the coach's ears up. They see that they have a weapon. Um, in this kid. I, I don't know why it would take that because Frank Reich has always spoken very glowingly about him. Um, you know, I've, I've heard that he's one of the, one of the advocates for drafting Naheem well, Hyde. let's,
0: let's be honest. Frank is a player. He's a, pl- he's a pro player guy. So he's going to hype up all of his guys, of course. But at this point, I almost take what Frank Reich says as a grain of salt. Cause I mean, he's talked up Jacoby Brissett after and I had great games and everything like that. And, uh, I mean, look at the ambulatory situation. It's a perfect example. So, I mean, uh, no, I mean, Naheem Hines is a guy that needs to touch the field. But, I mean, if Frank Reich is saying, yeah, he's an explosive athlete and we want to give him more on the field, I'm just going to be like, mm, show, it, show it to me. Show it to me. Don't talk about it. Show it to me.
1: Yeah, and I get that. But Naheem hasn't really done anything outside of the preseason two years ago to really warrant – You know, this kind of removal from the offensive flow of the game. But I I get what you're saying. It's absolutely true. You know, Frank has a way of just kind of sugarcoating things for his guys. And that's coach speak. I mean, that's nothing against Frank or anything. We're not, you know, bashing him about it. That's what coaches usually do. They're not going to generally say anything bad about a guy, you know, especially a former player. That's what Frank is. And, you know, that's why sometimes these former players have, you know, such good, careers as coaches and such good bonds with the guys in that in that locker room because you know they'll protect them in a sense and it's frustrating sometimes to the fans you know especially you know with the Jacoby situation you know a lot of people are waiting for Frank Wright to say oh yeah this guy's trash we're getting him out of here you know January 1st he's gone you know and and we're we're not hearing it and you hear people get frustrated it's like listen he's not going to say that he's not going to do that Um, that's not the type of guy he is same with Chris Bauer too yeah, I mean, you're not going to hear any of that from either of them about any player. I mean, you know, you look at how glowingly Chris Ballard talked about Frank Gore up until the second Frank Gore walked out the building. I mean, you would have thought that they were going to sign Frank Gore to a 10-year contract the way they talked about him. And, you know, I mean, he, he was gone within a month. I mean, it's just that's the way our organization runs. That's the right way, in my opinion, to do things. Um You know, but but you like you said, that's that's in the nail on the head. You take it with a grain of salt. But in terms of Hines, he just he hasn't done anything to take himself out of the offense. So I kinda put that on Frank's shoulders a little bit. When you have a guy that's struggling to get the ball down the field or, you know, you, you have guys that, that are struggling in certain areas, you have an easy outlet guy that gets you easy yards. They have to utilize him more moving forward. And, you know, hopefully this is th- that opportunity. But, you know, he had a great game. He's had a great stretch of games. And, you know, he's really embraced this opportunity for Chester Rogers. And, and I'm sure that Chester Rogers is really biting his nails right now because, you know, Naheem Hind has clearly overtaken that role and, and probably is our punt returner of the future.
0: Something I wanted to mention real fast that could be very interesting going into the future is if the Colts were to win this game and Tennessee w- loses and both teams finish at eight and eight, I believe the Colts finished second in the AFC South. And without the schedule is looking in twenty twenty, if the Colts, uh, if the Colts finished second in the AFC South, that means they'd play the Oakland Raiders because um, they play second in the AFC West, and they would play. I want to say the new york jets You know they play the buffalo bills uh from the afc east as a second place team because you know with how scheduling works you play a certain division from the afc a certain division from the nfc and you play your afc south divisional rivals then you play whatever division so this year it's the afc north the Colts will be playing the afc north in 2020 that means you'll play one team that plays in the same slot as you in the afc west and the east so if the Colts play second, AFC South, that means they're going to have to play Oakland and Buffalo. And I think Oakland would be on the road. Uh, so you go, you're going to Las Vegas, which I wouldn't mind, actually. I'd like to see that new stadium. But also you got the Buffalo Bills at home, which they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to win 12 games this year. So I'm not pro. I'm going to be rooting for the Colts to win. I think they're going to win Sunday. But I'm gonna either hope for the col. I'm gonna hope that the Colts lose or the Titans beat the Texans, who are really not playing for anything in the playoffs. So the Colts can, if the Colts finish third, they'll get I want to say the Chargers on the road, or and they'll get the uh, New York Jets on the road at home, which is a little bit more favorable than playing the Oakland- than playing the Las Vegas Raiders and playing the Buffalo Bills. So that's just it's a- this is a little bit of an interesting tidbit that I was looking at as I was previewing this game. Yeah. Obviously every loss or win impacts what's going to happen,
1: you know, come off season time, come next season time. And, you know, I mean, again, it just circles back to the, you know, kind of fans on both sides of the fence of, you know, do you want to lose? Do you want to win? I mean, there's an up and down to everything. I mean, and that's how I've kind of approached these last two games. It's like, you know, if we win, that's great for our guys and all this, but you know, if we lose, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, shed tears over it because you know, we have better draft position and, get an easier schedule for next season. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's very tearing for me as a fan, you know, especially being a fan. When I started being a fan it which was in 2000, it was the first real year that I watched this team. I've been used to winning my whole Colts fandom. You know, so accepting that losing is what's best for us is very difficult, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, you have to be, you know, kind of unbiased about it and take your heart out of it. And like you said, if we're able to, you know, either get a Tennessee win or a Colts loss, I mean, you know, number one, that helps our draft position. And, you know, number two, it helps our, our season for next year in terms of the schedule. So, you know, obviously the, these last two games played a lot into it. Um you know, I think I'd seen on on Twitter from a couple places that the Colts swung about five draft positions by winning um, against Carolina. So yeah, they you know,
0: would have been I mean, around. They would have been down around ten to twelve, I think, and now they're yep. at sixteen.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and it's 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 just one of those things where if you win, you're doing it for your moral victories and and for the guys on that field, and if you lose, you're doing it for your future. So I get both sides of it. It is what it is, and you know that's how I'm going to go into the game this Sunday. I hope for an entertaining game, you know, like we had last week, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if we don't get it done and, and go forward, it's not, you know, it's, it's different because I don't feel like it's on the coach or on the roster, you know, everything that's going wrong right now is fixable, you know, and, and it can be fixed with the right moves. Um, you know, it's not anything like with the Chuck Pagano situation where you just kind of feel trapped. Um, you know, I, I feel like that there is a path out of this. And so I'm not going to be tearing my hair out, you know, if we, if we somehow don't pull it off, although I think we will, uh, you know, but you know, it, it, it's still a good feeling to know that this team, in the similar situation two years ago, won four games, and now this year we're probably going to win eight games. I mean that that shows a big improvement in the roster. It shows a big improvement in, you know, upgrade in the front office and the coaching staff and the players on the field. You know, we're probably gonna have two all pro players again. Darius Leonard and, and Quentin Nelson should be, you know, back in that
0: conversation again this year and
1: uh and you know so- and,
0: and- to talk about culture real fast, this is a pretty young team, so of course, winning late in a season like this, even in meaningless games, it helps the winning culture, of course. And I know people don't like to hear it, but I mean that means something because honestly, if we look at it, when the Colts, you know, lost the four straight games from Houston to Orleans, they could have very easily packed it in against Carolina, and they didn't. They went out there and played their they played their butts out, and they and they won. And I hate to say it, but that's gonna that's that's gonna what gonna put. Buds uh, butts and seats next year for uh Lucas All Stadium. For all the people that talk about the lack of attendance. Team people are gonna what sh- whoever the quarterback is or whatever the product is on on the field, people are gonna show up if the team fights hard. Look at the Indiana Pacers for example. They fight every night and they play hard and they're really a lot of people show up and a lot of people love the team. So I mean if you instill a winning culture and you, you know, don't accept losing as an okay thing, then people are gonna fight hard for every game and they're gonna and Ultimately, people are going to show up and love the teams more. Yeah,
1: that, that's a perfect sentiment. I mean, you know, the quarterback is not the only thing that, that needs to, you know, be present for fans to be, you know, at the games. I mean, there are teams that run through quarterback, you know, the quarterback treadmill for years and years and years and still struggle with attendance. I mean, you can't just say, oh, we're going to plug in Jordan Love or Justin Herbert, whoever you, you're rooting for us to draft. You're not going to be able to just plug them in, put them on the field and you know, and, and expect for the fans to be full and sell out and stuff. You have to put a team on the field that the fans are proud of. And, you know, there was a lot of Colts fans that I follow and, and converse with on, on Twitter and Facebook that, you know, were, were really impressed with the performance and, you know, felt really proud of what the team put on the field and got excited about Naeem Hines. I'm sure he sold a couple jerseys after that game. And, you know, you have to put a product and a team on the field that the fans are excited to see. And, you know, going into the next season 8-8, eight and eight, as opposed to six and ten, is a lot more, you know, appealing to potential season ticket holders and and all those things because you know you're at five hundred, it's it's easier to sell the fact that hey, we're going to get an upgrade at X, Y, and Z positions. You know, now we can get from eight to ten wins. That seems a lot more realistic than saying, oh, we're going to jump
0: from six to ten wins or yeah. Six and, to wins. and at it's, eight and eight, eight, at eight and eight, you're thinking, hey, we were, you know two or three missed kicks away from being a 10-6, and 11-5 football team and making the playoffs, where when you're 6-10, and 10, you're looking at it and it's just like, well, you lost three or four games because of bad play. You lost the last two because the players quit on your team. And that just – when players quit on your team, it doesn't look great for your organization and for your coaching. So, I mean, that's why – we'll, we'll talk about draft real fast. I'd much rather go 8-8. Eight and eight and win the last two and have good winning culture and a good vibe in the locker room going into next year, then it'd be six and 10 and, you know, lost your what last six in a row, which I mean, because if you're drafting what 10th and 16th or 18th, it doesn't matter. We've got a good GM. We've got good scouting department. Uh, I trust some guys to draft whoever, they, whoever they draft the first round. I draft it. I, pro- I trust them to have a good draft and draft the right guy. Cause I promise, I I trust these guys because they've drafted two all-pros and Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, and they've drafted solid rookies like Bobby Okereke and Kari Willis and Rikinson last year. So, it doesn't matter if they Finished, you know, six and ten or ten and eight, in their, you know, round ten or round twenty. I promise. I I trust these guys to make a good draft this uh, this upcoming draft.
1: Yeah. And the thing for me is
0: fight. I mean, you
1: know, the record's nice to be able to play with a finish with a better record. And, you know, it, it ensures Frank Wright goes into year three with a winning record as our head coach what's given the situation this year is very impressive. Um, you know, it's just for me, the fight. I mean, and that's what was so frustrating about the new Orleans game is I'm just sitting here thinking this was your last game of the season and they came out like they didn't care.
0: Yeah. They kind of kind of came out. I honestly thought it was that They were out, man, because I mean, if you think about it that Saints team is going to be a 13 win team and, in the, in the wild NFC, they're going to be a three seed, which is a, insane in its own point. But they're a, they're a 13-win team. I mean, and they just lost a tough game at home to the 49ers. So I didn't expect the Colts to lose like that. But I knew the Saints were going to come out pretty, pretty fired up. And that's all it was, is I just wanted them to
1: show a little more pride. I get they, they just deflated us really early in that game. I mean, we started the game horribly. That block that, yeah. that, it was, that block fun, it was yeah. over.
0: From there. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was, it was just a, a horrible start. And it was just like the Chiefs game in the playoffs. I mean, you had, you know, a quick three and out bad possession and then you hand it over to an elite offense and Drew Brees carved this up and the rest is history. So I understand that aspect of it, but I did expect a little more pride and fight out of these guys. Um, you know, even some, even some, you know, tough penalties down the field, you know, to try to force some incompletions and things. I mean, I know I went off on this tangent for like 20 minutes on the last pod, so I won't get into it again, but they, I just wanted a little more pride. And I saw that this week and that's what I want to see against Jacksonville, whether we win or lose, I just want to see this team fight and play hard. And that's, that's, that's what matters to me. And so the end result is, is pointless because number one, we aren't going in the playoffs and you know, number two, if we lose, we go in with better position. If we win, we go in with a, with a 500 record and everybody feels good. And, you know, the world is great. So ultimately for me, it's what happens within those 60 minutes that I'm going to judge the, that I judge the last two games on. And, and, you know, the first test was, was a big success for this team. I mean, it, it was nice to see them come in and beat up on a terrible team because that's what, you know, Carolina is, they're terrible. And, you know, we were the far superior team and it just, it's just further proof that this roster is much closer than, you know, maybe it gets credit for, or maybe people can see right now because of, you know, a key position not having the piece in place that's needed. I I don't think people really realize how close this team is to being contenders for a Super Bowl. I mean, if they can, you know, really nail this draft with their with their next franchise guy, you know, or even if, you know, more outside scenario, be able to trade for a guy, sign a guy, if they can, if they can put themselves in position next year to shore that position up. They're they're gonna be right there with the best of them. I mean, because you know, from the offensive line to, you know, the receiving cores down to their bare bones. And there was guys out there that's really impressed us. The running back group's really good. The defensive line probably needs help. But, you know, I mean, all all across the board is a very young, talented athletic team. And the fact that they're gonna probably win eight games, I think, is a testament to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and, and the job they're doing right now. So I'm interested to see if they come out with the same energy they had against Carolina, or is that just, you know, kind of a this was our last home game, so we're gonna, you know, really get up for this one and you know, they're in Florida, so some guys might stay down there after this game. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they react coming out against Gardner Minshew, who, like you said, is a different different type of player than Nick Bowles, But, you know, I, I have confidence that our team has the athletes to be able to contain him
0: also. So the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014, and that just actually sounds insane to me. But uh, do you think the Colts get their first victory in Jacksonville since 2014? i think I think so, I mean, I think that
1: Jacksonville is a team that's packed it in. I mean, they just fired Tom Coughlin and they have that you know quarterback change with Nick Bowles, and you know Gardner Minshew's a nice a nice story I mean he's an athletic guy and all that stuff, but if there's one thing the Colts have shown defensively, especially that they they can they can contain athletes at quarterback. They have no problem with guys that can move in the pocket or extend plays. I mean, they have that linebackers linebacker speed and, you know, the type of aggressiveness from their secondary guys to be able to control them. And, you know, defensively, they just, I mean, they just look checked out right now. I mean, they just, they just don't look like a very interested team. And if the Colts come out and start pounding the ball down their throat, you know, and, and get it, get a turnover, I feel like this, this is a game that could snowball just like the Carolina game where, you know, they're just gonna be like, you know what, forget it. We're done. We don't care and the Colts have a chance to, to go in there and, and pull off what would be an upset based off of recent history. But, you know, in terms of talent and the way these two teams are coming off their last week, I think the Colts should, should easily be the favorite in this game. And, you know, I think with the way that we're playing right now, obviously Jordan Wilkins is out, which, you know, kind of hurts because he's a, he's a real nice compliment back, but, you know, I think Marlon Mack could have a big game and in, in this offensive line, hopefully uh, Quentin can, can play. I'm sure he will based off of the the progress he's made this week in practice. He's still
0: – I haven't seen a report he's been cleared from concussion protocol, and it's Friday night, and I'm a little worried about that.
1: Yeah, he's not, but I just – I don't know. Usually, usually you have a good feeling about things like that. Usually guys are ruled out by this point. Um, if they're going to be out. So, I mean, maybe they're just trying to hold out hope because he wants to start all 16 games. I don't know. Maybe he ends up being ruled out. But the fact that they haven't ruled him out by Friday, I think is a really good sign because generally you know – if a guy's not going to be able to play that's just you know historically the way it's been um at least with our team i don't know how other teams do it but you know maybe he's a special case cuz he wants to play the re- the last game of the year so they're giving him till the 11th hour but um you know we'll see i mean if he's out that's a huge huge loss and a, you know a real big uh game changer but uh you know if he's in and and you know everything goes to plan you know with everybody's healthy the way they have been the last couple weeks then you know i think the Colts should be able to take care of business down there
0: yeah Honestly, at this point, especially well, not really yeah. last week, but this week, with the Colts being eliminated from the playoffs, I'm more of just rooting for a very high-scoring, very back-and-forth, entertaining type of game. Uh, and if the Colts win, that's great. I just want to be entertained. I don't want to sit through S- seeing a blowout, A Colts blowout is nice if they're winning, but like I don't want a Saints type of game this week against the Jaguars. And I don't think that'll happen. Um, I do think the Colts are going to win, but. I went back and looked at all my predictions throughout the year, and I think I'm like – I had the Colts win it going 9-7 and seven overall in the season, which I'm only one or two games off, which is not terrible. I mean, we kind of expect them to be around the eight-winner mark. But I'm like three and 3 – I've only got like three or four games uh, right this year from the Colts' perspective in picking games. So I, I haven't been great actually picking the Colts week by week, but somehow I ended up almost the same, the same record at the end of the season. But – uh, I am going to take a Colts in this game. Uh, they should win this game pretty comfortably. I just hope it's a really high-scoring, uh, really entertaining game to conclude the 2019 season. And it just seems like, man, yesterday we were talking about you know Angeluk and all that it's good stuff, throwing throwing to all these guys and training camp and all that stuff. And now the season is finally, it's finally coming to an end Sunday. I I, I hate when when seasons go like
1: this because you only get these games for like three months out of the year, and I just I, you know, putting ourselves in these shoes of, of fans, of fans that, you know, deal with this year after year, man, I I'm glad we haven't had to deal. Well, at least I haven't had to deal with that, you know, in my lifetime. This has been a very testing and trying season. Um, You know, fortunately, like I said earlier, there's, there's a light at the end of this tunnel and, and we don't have to deal with that, but the culture of winning in, in this building and with this franchise is just so heavy over the last, you know, 20 years. It's just, it's just, too hard to be able to stay engaged when you're not used to this kind of
0: play. Um, We're well, I mean, sure you know, only three losing seasons in a decade, I believe.
1: Yeah. really, well, I mean, in, yeah,
0: in the last 20 years. You no, know, but it's crazy because if
1: you look at it in perspective, I mean, we haven't won this division in five years. I mean, that's shocking. I mean, this was a rite of passage. I used to, you know, you talk about Christmas gifts. I used to get AFC South champion shirts every year for Christmas. I would never wear them. Because it was just like, who cares if we win the South? This, this is our division. You know, I, I expect to win this every year. It's nothing special to me. And now it's like you you go five years without winning this division, and you go, wow, how did this happen? I mean, you know, honestly, there has been a changing of the guard in this division, and you know, it's it's up to Houston's the Colts division now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they've they've won it. The, what three out of the last five four, years? Four out of five, I
0: believe. Yeah, I believe it's
1: four out of five. Yeah. I mean, and the only thing that's keeping them from having real, real bragging rights is they are one and done in the playoffs every year, so it kind of just makes it really pointless that they win this division. That's going to
0: have to be a goal next year. You're going to have to go probably four, probably at least five and one in the division. You're, and I think that's going to be one of the top goals the next year, it has to be winning the division.
1: Well, they came, they started off really good, 3-0. and I mean, so it looked like, you know, hey, we might have a chance to put a real stranglehold on this thing, and, you know, to, uh, uh, Paris Campbell turned the season on its head when we had a chance to go up 17 against Pittsburgh. And it's just imagine like, our fastest player tripping over himself. And that just flipped our season upside down. And that's just, what happens when you're a rookie trying to keep up with the speed of this league, man, you could have four, one speed and, you know, just trying to outrun these, these
0: elite athletes on the field. And it completely turned our seasons on its, it's head. It's so just, crazy to think to tell us a guy with such track speed, just, Hey, run, you don't have to do too much. Cause I honestly thought he was trying to outrun himself and I'm just like, dude, just do you, just run. And I think, hope, hopefully, he'll he'll do that. He'll um, won't be doing that next year. He'll just be doing his thing, and you know, hopefully, he can stay on the field and all that stuff. Well, yeah, and it's like it's
1: like Naheem Hines is a perfect example. I mean, you know, the great. The breakout campaign he's having I mean a couple years ago there was people wanting him cut I mean I don't think there was a lot of people In that There was an extreme faction But you know there were there was a lot of talk of Will this guy make the roster especially after the Zach Banner situation you know I mean He was fumbling punts left and right and people were like Well you know that's part of why he was drafted That's one of his strengths you know is this guy Going to make the roster and, and you know It's just a, a case of a guy playing too Fast in his head trying to catch up to the Speed of this game and you know not trusting Their own athleticism and that's the case on that play with Paris, but, you know, it was just kind of like a microcosm of the season, that play. And it's just, it's just kind of funny looking back on it, how how different things could have been. But, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was great to have the start to the season we did it was great to be able to to show that you know andrew Luck does, didn't make this team anymore i mean listen we're not going to make the playoffs but you know it's not it's not an embarrassment like it was the first time he missed missed that season in 2017 this team isn't an embarrassment anymore this is a team i'm i'm proud to still represent still proud to be a fan of pr- proud to come on this podcast every week and talk about him it hasn't been the end that we wanted to and and unfortunately our warts got exposed as the season went on um you know but all, all in all it's still it's still just such a very bright future for this team and i'm that's why i'm so excited to get this game over with be able to to have chris ballard be able to go into this offseason be able to do what he wants to do with the, with the franchise quarterback. And, you know, I mean, we, it's been well pub, uh, publicized hit, hit, him being involved in that Mahomes draft. So, you know, how much does that impact his, his decision-making with the quarterback here? Um, we all know that, you know, Andrew Luck was really the reason why he took this job. So, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to believe that he'll settle with what we've seen this season. And, you know, You know, it'll just be interesting to see what he does. And I feel like for the first time since he's been the general manager, he'll have his own clarity. There won't be the luck injury hanging over his head. There won't be, you know, Brissette being forced into a starting situation. He has a chance to utilize his draft capital again. His future franchise player on his team this coming off season and it will put him in a situation where they come into a top 10 roster so you know that's the great thing about it is is you know it's still a very talented team this is still a team with a very bright future great coach great front office and you know that's why that's why the season hasn't been as demoralizing cuz you know this team isn't just just one player anymore chris ballard accomplished what he wants to do this team isn't one player anymore and and i'm proud that he's been able to turn this team into a competitive
0: roster again yep and so we were gonna co- we'll gonna we come back with you guys probably Monday night or Tuesday afternoon or so with the recap of the game. We probably won't talk much about the game. We'll probably just go on our overall season thoughts as the Colts will conclude. Uh, the last game of the 2019 season seemed so crazy, man. Like I said earlier, it went by so fast. But uh, as I said earlier, the Colts will play in Jacksonville, the place they haven't won 20, since 2014. The game got flexed to 425 kickoffs, so... Enjoying your enjoy your one o'clock window games before the Colts come on at four o'clock in the afternoon uh, Colts fans uh, we appreciate you guys coming on we uh, hope you guys have a good rest of the day